One thing you can count on in these uncertain times is the registry's grounded and informed news coverage of everything real estate. We are able to deliver the reliable and in-depth news you trust because of generous readers who support our work. Thank you to your commitment to journalism, especially now. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join us at theregistrysf.com. Today we are joined by Cynthia Parker, President and CEO of Bridge Housing, a leading nonprofit developer, owner, and manager of affordable housing. Cynthia joined Bridge as President and CEO in February of 2010, bringing over 30 years of diverse and relevant experience to the organization. In one of her previous roles, Cynthia established the Housing Office of the City of Seattle, serving as the City's Director of Housing under two separate mayors, with responsibility for the City's housing investment strategies, $100 million annual capital budget, and $824 million loan portfolio. Under Cynthia's leadership at Bridge Housing, the organization has doubled its production capacity and has added depth in its provision of resident services and community impact. Bridge has approximately 11,700 apartments in its portfolio with another 7,000 homes, a total of $3.8 billion in total development costs and its pipeline. A former director of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, Cynthia has chaired the Sound Families Initiative for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and currently serves as the director of the National Affordable Housing Trust, the Federal Home Loan Bank of Des Moines, and the Housing Partnership Network, among others. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Where are you today in these uh, trying times? Oh, you know, I'm I'm uh, in my place here in the Bay Area. Um, I thought long and hard about whether I should shelter in place here or in the Puget Sound area where I also have a home. Uh, but the weather's better here and I'm closer to my office if I need to grab something. So I, I guess the weather's going to make that determination, sounds like. That's the most, uh, <laughs> most important uh, thing yeah. right now. Great. It certainly has been. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, tell us a little bit about overall at Bridge Housing. How are you guys coping with, with what's going on? And, you know, we can get into some of the more specific details um, around development and construction and that kind of stuff. But just on a personal level, uh, you know, how are you guys coping um, just from an employee morale standpoint and ability to work and get to work um, and that kind of thing? Sure. Well, you know, it's been a um, it's a bit a, a bit challenging, of course, for everyone in the country and in the world. But um, at Bridge, I think that uh, after the first couple of weeks where we were really scrambling to set up systems, make sure that we were uh, we had the proper protocols in place to keep our properties operating, to keep our residents safe, um, and to communicate with each other. Um, it, it started to roll into um, a system that I think is working very well, and and um, and things are operating uh, quite quite well uh, under the circumstances. We have about 450 employees scattered up and down the West Coast, from Seattle all the way to um, San Diego, and we have you know over 120 properties that are operating with close to 30,000 residents. So our first, you know, our first concern, of course, is the, re the safety of our residents 
and the safety of our employees. But we are, um, we have our managers on site working in their offices. They are uh, not, they are talking to the residents, but they are not only at a safe social distance. We're continuing to make sure that property management functions are working. Everything is being cleaned and, you know, it, maintenance is continuing, landscaping is continuing, all right. the kinds of things that make people's homes a nice place to live. Those are those are working very well. And then we have a lot of construction projects going on. Yeah, so before we jump into those, and I want to talk about those also, but just as a bit of a background in terms of who Bridge Housing is, what you guys do, would you mind giving us kind of a quick elevator pitch overview of the of the company? Absolutely. Um, so Bridge Housing is a nonprofit corporation that owns, manages, and develops affordable housing. So as I mentioned earlier, we are um, regional. So we're from, based in, our headquarters are in San Francisco, but we are all the way from the Seattle office down to uh, San Diego, we have five separate offices and uh, we have development projects that we own and manage um, in all of those regional hubs. Great, and, and Bridge Housing started, uh, was, was founded as, a, as an effort to help create uh, affordable housing in the Bay Area initially, right. is, that, is that accurate? Uh, maybe a little bit about sort of the mission of the organization. Sure, sure. Well, that's right. So 38 years ago, Bridge Housing was founded as a really, uh, at the time, by uh, the business community in the Bay Area. Uh, and they were concerned about the long distances that people had to commute to uh, get into work, largely because of the lack of affordable housing. So during that, over that period of time, our, our mission has grown as has our geographic footprint, but we, we construct our buildings. We make sure that we provide good quality resident services and support for our residents. And we also do quite a bit of community development work, recognizing that um, when you place an affordable housing project in a community, the, the work there sort of radiates out and in. And so it's very important to continue to use the properties as a way to help uh, support whole neighborhood. Right. And and the reason I ask this is I do feel that over the last decade or so, as affordability has gained kind of a you know national notoriety, if you will, uh, housing affordability, I do feel like affordable housing as, as a concept gets lost in that shuffle a little, a little bit. Would you mind, again, just giving us a little bit of a, of a description of sort of what you know, who your target audience is. When you talk about affordable housing, what does that mean compared to maybe what some national topics might 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 uh, try to um, uh, portray? Sure. Well, Bridge really focuses on kind of the whole gamut of affordability. We have, it depends on the population that we're looking to serve. So we have a number of properties that might serve people who are formerly homeless uh, all the way up to, you know, say 60% of median income. In the same property, we might have another development project that is looking at more of a broader range, uh, maybe 50% of median income, all the way up to 80% um, of median income. And increasingly, we're working more and more, not only supporting those kinds of 
uh, population groups, both families and seniors. But we're also coming up with some, uh, you know, great innovation around supporting the missing middle, particularly in the high cost cities. And that's people up to 120% of median income. So a lot of those folks have not been able to be supported or find affordable housing. So we're back to the same problem uh, under which Bridge was originally founded. They're finding themselves having to move further and further out from the cities, you know, to find a place to live. Right, right. And over the years, Cynthia, how many developments has Bridge Housing been able to put together? And in and maybe by market, if you can kind of provide us just a bit of a cross section of your um, successes. Sure. Well, we've we've uh, developed about seventeen thousand units of housing, and right now we have actively a couple thousand in construction, about five thousand in pre-development. So we have a lot in our pipeline. We actually have about ten thousand units in our pipeline. Those are uh, projects under site control. But all, all told, about 17,000 we've actually constructed. Most of the concentration original was in the Bay Area. We also uh, created a satellite market in the San Diego region. And then uh, Los Angeles, we have, we're approaching working on 2,000 units in the Portland market. And right now uh, we have about 1,000 units in Seattle. And that grouping is growing as well. Great. Cynthia, December of 2019, you know, you had a number of projects uh, going on, a number of developments uh, up and down the West Coast. How would you characterize sort of where you were in December of 2019 before we knew what we know today? Well, we were projecting uh, 2020 to be one of our biggest years. We had I, I believe we had about 14 projects that we were either in construction on, starting construction, or planning to close. And so uh, after the COVID pandemic started in, in earnest, and really Washington State in particular and California were early markers. Of course, the Seattle area, Kirkland, uh, was kind of ground zero for infection to spread originally. And so um, we probably sometime in late January started making plans to reduce work hours in the offices in order to do our own part for social distancing. And then California late as, January, as early as January, yeah, February. Um, and then, of course, California was the first. Uh, but what we had planned to do was to keep the offices open, but just try to uh, have people work at home a few days, less than the number of people who were congregating in, in the offices. But then we we really, uh, all of a sudden, you know, California was the first state and San Francisco was the first city to uh, request that people shelter in place. And, and and to be honest, I mean, I was here that weekend, and so that's one of the reasons, not just the weather, that I ended up being stuck in, in, the, in the Bay Area, but I, I feel fine about it. It's where our concentration of work is. Yeah, so we spent a lot of time scrambling, uh, scrambling uh, also to keep our construction projects going. How many, how many, if you don't mind me asking, Cynthia, how many construction projects did you have active at that time? You know, we have 14 active uh, construction projects going on right now. Uh, And 
amazingly, they are all operating. We had two shut down for about a week because a subcontractor needed to be tested for COVID exposure. Um, that test came back negative, and so we got that contractor back on site. They're all practicing social distancing, um, so they're all sort of spread out. But uh, over time, I've seen efficiencies increasing. So I would say that about the first week or so after shelter in place was announced, uh, we had it reduced, work reduced down to maybe 60% of um, what would be a, a prime um, and optimal schedule. Uh, and then today I had a long talk with our construction manager this morning and it looks as though we're back up to about 85%. So <clears throat> the contractor's efficiencies are starting to improve. And, you know, we're, we're hoping that we're not gonna make up time, but um, we're, we're certainly continuing to plug along because the three states that we're in, Oregon, Washington, and California, um, are all, you know, focused on either keeping construction for residential construction going or residential construction, particularly with an emphasis on affordable housing. Right. And what kind of delays are you anticipating in terms of, do you anticipate sort of, you know, double the time, you know, six months? Um, I don't know. I'm sure it's sort of project dependent as well, but um, is there like an average kind of number that you are tracking that gives you a sense of how far back you're going to have to push some of um, these projects? You know, I think if, if we come out of this uh, and have everything pushed back only six months, I'd be very happy. <laughs> you know, the other issue, of course, okay. is the supply chain and materials. So, um, right. you know, that's what we're, we're also worried about. But um, I think the contracting community is very, you know, is, is adaptable and they certainly have stepped up to um, create their own protocols of, around safety. And, and of course, people need to work and they want a paycheck. And so, you know, they are all working very hard to continue to uh, support their companies. Right. So um, I understand, uh, and I'm sure you, you know, this is something you're dealing with daily, but the financing arrangements for affordable housing are a little different than um, sort of your typical kind of multifamily development. And, and the reason I'm asking this is, one, for you to give us a little bit of a background in terms of how that happens and what happens, but then also maybe a, a sense of if there has been an effect on any of your financing Given given the you know CARES Act and if that has an impact um, on some of the lenders that you're dealing with, um, anything that sure. Could be, uh, well, I think the first thing for most people is to understand that what an affordable developer does is is very similar to any developer. We have to entitle the project, we have to design it, we have to um, test out project feasibility and, you know, select contractors and go through all the, you know, the project management uh, things that you need to do to successfully start and stop a project, uh, start and complete a project. But, and then we lease up and, and manage uh, the units afterwards. But with affordable housing, there are a lot of, uh, because the cost of housing is the same as it would be for a for-profit, 
market rate developer, we also need to get subsidy sources into the project in order to make the um, cost of the housing to the ultimate resident who would be living there low enough that they can afford the rent. And so if someone is making minimum wage, for example, then that means we have to essentially deliver a project that has no debt on it. That would be, um, you know, an extreme, very low income person or even someone who was formerly homeless or who might be receiving um, Social Security. So that's that's how that works. So we seek out uh, public funding sources from localities, from cities, from the states. Uh, We also use the tax credit program which allows us to um, offer a, cr- a credit on corporate taxation uh, to investors, mostly banks, but we have a variety of other investors as well. And that tax credit comes in as equity into the project. So those are the folks that, that we're dealing with right now, the bankers who are giving us uh, construction loans and permanent loans, as well as the tax credit investors. And then all this plethora of localities and states, some projects might have 14 different pieces of financing, either grants or subsidies. Um, And so they all have reporting requirements. So part of my staff's job is to make sure that the residents qualify that they are in fact low income. They meet those income requirements. They have to annually certify that they do that. And they also have to, we also have to, uh, one project might have 14 different reports go out to each one of those funders on an annual or semi-annual basis. So it's quite a job. Yeah, no, and I I actually have now even more follow-up questions based on, on that. One of the challenges, obviously, is unemployment. The other challenge is going to be um, revenues that states and state and local governments and um, the I would I would suspect the the funders of these grants are able to you know collect and produce and that kind of thing. So let's start with with that group first. Do you anticipate? Um, you know, with um, lower economic activity, lower, you know, tech taxes and things like that, that also your assistance will decrease in the future as well. Is that, is that a, is that a concern? Um, yes, it is a concern. I think that, um, you know, we're, we're very, we're very concerned about people's ability to pay rent because of- well and, and that was going to be my second question then you know the high levels of unemployment obviously now I would imagine um, sort of create your product and even more sort of relevant product out there um, so maybe we can talk about that as well what does that mean sure, for bridge sure. In the future? well I mean I think there's two questions there the, the I guess I went to the second one first but yes we're very concerned about people's ability to pay rent we have collected rent most of the rent thus far, um, and some some of our residents receive Section 8 vouchers or, or have project-based subsidies. So we know that anything that has some public assistance on the rent is going to come through, and it has. So those funds have been wired in by the federal government. Right now, we usually have about a 2% de- delinquency 
um, which is very, very low. It's usually closer to 1%. People really love living in our properties and they make every attempt to abide by their commitment to, to pay rent. But um, right now, I think in April, we're looking at probably a 15% um, delinquency. Uh, and we know wow. that that's uh, probably going to increase in May. Um, we suspect that a lot of people who might have been furloughed might have received some severance. Um, and so they, of course, would use that to pay. Uh, but I think May will be a much worse month. Yeah, interesting. So, um, and that's certainly, I think, dire for a lot of people. If I can switch and focus on kind of what that means for the future, I would imagine your mission and what Bridge Housing does, uh, in a sense, might become more relevant than for the economy and for the sort of betterment of um, people in general. How are you guys preparing for the next cycle or even are you even thinking about that? I mean, I'm sure at some level you are, but maybe give us a sense of kind of where where, where your head is with that. Well, I'm definitely thinking about the next cycle. Um, you know, obviously, um, right now, the capital markets, we're talking to all of our uh, lenders. And so this last week and, and next, where I've been visiting along with our capital markets director, uh, EVP, it, just sort of giving all of them an update on where we are and, and what's going on uh, at our properties and our development sites. But, um, and also asking them, what are their other customers telling them? Where do they think their appetite is going to be for investing in affordable housing through the, the low-income housing tax credit program? Because that's really our biggest source of, it, of uh, revenue to support those projects. And I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that they're expecting to see some pricing decreases. As everyone knows, you can't really use a tax credit if you're not profitable as an institution. Um, because you need to offset income. And so if, if we have a banking crisis, as we did 10, 11, 12 years ago, then we will see dem dem dramatic decreases in the equity pricing. So um, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm hearing from people that they still have an appetite for our projects because we, develop, we, we pride, pride ourselves on uh, offering a quality product and one that's well managed. But um, I, I do think that we're going to have to um, crank in the <clears throat> expected decrease in value of the tax credit, which means that we'll have a bigger gap uh, to, to fill. Um, and that will probably have to come from public sources. And, and here's the thing, as you know, local governments are hurting too, and so yes. are our states. So, you know, California is expecting to have a something like a $26 million, billion dollar, um, deficit, and that's going to wipe out its rainy day fund. So yes. I'm not going to see, I'm not expecting to see a lot of, uh, much of an increase in um, public support. I think everyone's going to be scrambling. Well, yeah, and, and that was part of my first question is, um, given the lower revenues on the on the municipal side, right? Um, what are the long term impacts of that on on your industry? And I think those are yep. those are sort of evident, right? Um, staying with kind of the 
opportunities and kind of moving forward and that kind of thing. Are you guys, so you talked a little bit about the sort of financing of these projects, but are, are you guys looking at also what, you know, an affordable project from um, a design perspective looks like in the future also? Um, uh, how, how do you think about, you know, working from home and, you know, creating opportunities that are, you know, maybe now becoming more standard, but I don't know, five years ago were considered a luxury? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we, we and everybody in the industry is going to be having to think about um, making improvements on that and making sure that there are improvements on internet connectivity. Uh, in the home for individuals, making sure that um, we are really thorough and uh, having uh, certain design standards that allow us to uh, continue to, um, you know, crank out units at a, a, a more productive and inexpensive way. I also think that we're going to see a devaluation in the price of land and in real estate for acquisitions. So trying to emerge from this you know, tragic situation with some degree of liquidity as a as an institution that Bridge is is going to be very important for us to continue um, our work. Yeah. Do you anticipate uh, cities and governments also easing some of their you know building restrictions or requirements and fees and that kind of thing to spur development as well? You know, they they're going to have to. Um, uh, I think that's right. Um, one of the things that we've been noticing is that the localities um, are continuing to, I mean, they've been, they in many localities, they've been prioritizing permitting for affordable housing. But we actually are now, uh, this last couple of weeks, conducting public hearings, participating in public hearings for entitlement purposes on a virtual basis, which is, you know, very interesting to attend a public hearing and give a presentation via Zoom, for right. example. Right, yeah. So um, I, I want to end on a positive note and kind of an op, you know an optimistic note. Um, you know, where are the opportunities as you kind of look at, you know, into 2021 and further, um, you know, what is the future of affordable housing? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping there is a future and I'm hoping uh, you as a developer, you must be a, you know, permanent optimist, right? So uh, would 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 love to hear kind of your your perspective on that. Well, you're right. All developers are, are optimists or else they wouldn't be in the business in the first place. And, and I am very optimistic about the future of affordable housing. I, I think that we've weathered these kind of storms before, certainly not via pan, uh, pandemic, but certainly with the collapse of the banking industry, you know, 12 years ago. And so I think that I'm hopeful that we will see some relief from the federal government and maybe another infrastructure bill. There's a lot of proposals that have been made to fix uh, part of the uh, problems with the tax credit program, which I'm hopeful will move forward, which will attract investors back to us. We've got enough of a pipeline that we're going to continue to work through them. Um, and I think we will not only see 2021 uh, allow us to be as robust as we we thought we were going to be in 2020. Uh, but I, I really do believe that the need is going to be ever stronger as the economy rebounds and people just simply need this kind of housing in order to get back on their feet. 
Great. Well, those are great words. Um, Cynthia, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it and your feedback. Um, I look forward to talking to you soon again. Thank you. Thank you. Take care of yourself. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.